What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to episode 80 of Disney Plus Reviews. I'm Phil Souza, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, the guy who won't stop shouting, Silencio Philo! It's Grant Youngsma. Phil. How's it going, Grant? Great. Um, Silencio. I, I mean, if it's if I have permission to speak, at least, um, I should say that. Yep. Do I have permission? Yes. Okay. I've never said Silencio Granto to, to you. I just want, I just want to let you know. But I've never gone tit for tat on that. There we go. <laughs> um, the the other uh, intro that I had prepared was like uh, his life is so much cooler than mine. But that 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 reference is a little deeper. Like it's yeah. a it's a deeper cut than mm-hmm. than uh, Silencio. I I do think Silencio Bruno is like is a phrase now. Like oh yeah, I think I don't think it'll. I don't know. What do you think? Will it? Will it? It won't. It won't aspire to the same heights as Squirrel, right? Like probably not. I mean, everyone was saying Squirrel after they watched Up, yeah. um, and I think I feel like some people could say Silencio Bruno, but probably not in our group of friends. Uh, probably not. Yeah, and a lot of the kids probably missed it or won't say it right. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, it's not even English, really. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of the stuff was in Italian, so. I- I mean, I'll save my thoughts for when we review it. But yeah. I mean, I think it'd be a very interesting to hear what some kids thought about this movie. Yeah. I So my, we're talking about Luca, of course, um, and we'll get to it towards the end of the show. But my four-year-old did watch the movie, but I didn't watch it with her. I, I, I was busy doing some other things around the house. And so I don't know what her thoughts are on the movie. I She doesn't say much on like, when I She's a typical four-year-old, I yeah. think, when, like, I say, so what'd you think of the movie? Good. So you liked it? Yeah. What'd you like about it? It was good. <laughs> okay. All right. So that so she thought it was good. That's, yep. all, that's all I got. So, uh, But yeah, getting a kid's uh, perspective on, on um, Luca would be good. Maybe we'll have a kid on next week where... Um, I'll tell tell you guys more more of our listeners of, of what we're doing next week. We are going to record an episode next week, but we are not going to be recording from our usual spot. In, f- in fact, we'll be in Florida. Yeah. Um, so, um, my family, Grant Grant's wife and him, and two other families. Like, there's what like 13 of us going. Something like that. Down, yeah. Down to Florida next week, and uh, we might talk about that more towards the end of the episode. But uh, I think we're going to record an episode at the beach. Um, yeah. And Jack, um, you know, previous co-host of the show, um, is going to be with us on that trip. So at least very at the very least, me, Grant, and Jack. And then if we can get Jack's. 10 year old or 11 year old how old is he now yeah he's at least 11 in october he might be 12 in october uh, i think he's 10 okay so his 10 year old son 
I'm sure has watched Luca. So yep. I'd like to get his thoughts on it too. So maybe we'll, we'll try to get both of them on next week. We'll for sure have Jack on next week. If you're just joining us for this podcast, we're an unofficial Disney Plus podcast reviewing the most popular stuff on Disney Plus, and we are uh, doing um, L properties today, M- movies and TV shows that start with L. Uh, <laughs> we're doing Loki, Luca, and I might towards the end I might talk about La Luna. La, La Luna. <laughs> so okay. it's literally just a lot of L uh, titles uh, today. So. Um, we're going to, I think, skip news of the week um, just because there wasn't a whole lot really that has come out recently. Yeah. It's been really kind of a dry couple weeks for news uh, for Disney+, Plus, which is fine. It's summer and there's a lot of stuff coming out. But um, I did want to read a couple of reviews that we got from listeners. So uh, it had been a while since we got, you know, had anyone write into yeah. the show, which is fine. Uh, but we love hearing from our listeners. So, um, you know, as I say, every week we'd love to, you know, include our listeners' thoughts on the show. So... Um, in two weeks, um, if we, if we can still make it work, I'm planning on having, uh, our friend Shane on Shane Kennard on as a guest. So like, you'll actually get to hear, hear his voice and get his thoughts on a lot of things with Disney plus we've never had him on the show before. So, so that's coming up in a couple weeks, but he did send me a text, um, a couple days ago and I just wanted to read it. Uh, he said that that was, a, that was fine and that he would give like some more impressions when we actually had him on the show. But this is what he texted. He said, we've seen a couple of the big shots. Uh, so the uh, big shot TV show that we reference every week with like what's coming out on Disney Plus, but neither, <laughs> neither of us are watching. Grant and I aren't watching it. Yeah. He has been watching it or he's seen a couple of them. He says, uh, we like it and plan on watching it all. Just other things that take precedence like Loki. Okay. Yeah, I, I understand that. There's plenty of conflict in Big Shot, uh, unlike High School Musical. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to laugh at that. Um, yeah, it's it definitely. I it wouldn't take much to have more conflict than High School Musical season yeah. two, but uh, yeah, it's it sounds like it's a, a pretty good show. So maybe it's something we ought to check out, like you know, binge through it or something like that. Uh, it is over now. They did have their finale episode, I think, last Friday, uh, or maybe the Friday before that. It's I. Uh, the yeah, last couple weeks are a blur like to that. me. Yeah, it, it de- definitely ended recently. So um, I haven't heard anything about it. Like if they're doing a season two, I, I don't. I have no, absolutely no plot details about the show. Yeah, I have no idea either. Besides that, John Stamos is in it. Yeah, which honestly, like Stamos is like half the reason I would even watch it. Like yeah. I haven't seen him in anything in a long time. So um, yeah, so that that was uh, he wanted to chime in about Big Shot because I mean we're not we're just not watching it so like we don't mm-hmm. have anything to say and when we have him on in a couple weeks uh, I'd like to see if we can maybe get him to talk about that show maybe he's seen more episodes by then and can kind of weigh on weigh in on it if it's worth watching and then we got an email um, this is a little bit long I might I might skip a couple um, sentences here and there and kind of uh, summarize but. Um, this is from Amanda Moon, uh, a listener of our show who wrote in, and she had some interesting things to say about um, a- another show. So I-, I do this too. Like I'll-, I'll listen to a podcast and I'll-, I'll be hearing people talk about a video game or politics or something like that, and it will remind me of something else. And mm-hmm. it'll be like, oh, I-, I bet the the people on the show would love this, and they would yeah. think think of like you know, uh, they're talking about A and B, and it's like, well, that's kind of like C, and I wonder if they've seen it. So that's kind of what what her email is about. She says, thanks for the great reviews and making the podcast. You're welcome. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, She says, when we watched the show, 
about the making of the Falcon and Winter Soldier, which I highly re- recommend. It was really good. Uh, she says, and they talked about what happened with not being able to film in Puerto Rico. That was striking to me that they had that happen before dealing with COVID. It was like a super, we- I'm, I'm interjecting here. It was super weird, like one, two punch with that show where like they, it was earthquakes or, and, and all the, you know, natural disaster kind of stuff in Puerto Rico. And then like all that stuff started to die, to die down. And then like, well, maybe we can start filming again in like another month or so. And then COVID dropped and they're like, oh crap. So anyway, she says, and continuing the email here, she says, my family watches a show called The Fixers, which is free to watch online. Four master builders go all over the world and do these renovations or new builds for charitable organizations. In season two, one of the first episodes was in Puerto Rico. Okay. They helped rebuild a community basketball area where they are still recovering from Hurricane Maria. While they were flying down, the first earthquake struck. While they were there, the second one happened. In between was torrential rain as they were trying to do massive outdoor painting projects. <laughs> Volunteers were torn between helping with this and help and helping clean up after the earthquakes. I highly recommend the show and this particular episode, even though or although everyone is so freaking good. They highlight the charities they help and get to know the people that they serve as well, which makes it more impactful. And then she included a link to watch it online for free, which um, I will probably include that in the show notes if anyone, if I'm like, you know, piquing anyone's interest and they want something else to watch. Um, so she said, you know, I thought, I, I thought I'd recommend it because it seems like something you would like. And also this particular one has a tie in with episode 74 of our show. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so thank you, Amanda, for recommending that. It does sound very interesting. I, I thought it was very interesting when they were talking about it on the making of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier about how you don't think about that stuff. Like, okay, you know, it was super rainy, so we couldn't do our outdoor shot for that movie. But it's quite another thing when, like, they're literally trying to work outside and there are earthquakes and hurricanes. Yeah. And, like, how do we even go on? Mm-hmm, and so, sure. yeah, it, that's pretty amazing. It, I, I, have to, I have to wonder if, it was, if they were there the exact same time that the Marvel guys were. That would be pretty crazy. But, yeah. I mean, maybe they were. Yeah. It sure sounds very, very similar, like the timing of mm-hmm. it. Um, so, they, they doesn't, she doesn't mention COVID at all, so they were probably wrapped up by then. But, um, so, yeah. So, it, that again, that show is called The Fixers. And apparently, you can watch it for free online. I, um, it's at byutv.org is, is the link. And I'll, okay. I'll, I'll post that in the show notes so people can find it if they want to check it out. So thank you, Amanda, for writing in. Um, all right, we're going to jump straight into the reviews because we have a lot to cover today. Uh, we were a little bit, we were supposed to record a couple days ago and I wasn't ready. <laughs> and so uh, we kind of, we're like, well, we're a couple days out from another episode of Loki. So let's just do them, you know, bunk them both up together. Yeah. So we're doing Loki episode two and three today. Full spoilers. If you've never listened to the show, you don't know that, but we're, we're about to go into full spoilers on both of the episodes of Loki. So if you care about that, haven't watched the episodes, obviously, you know, just skip forward to Luca or whatever you're listening for. Uh, otherwise, come back, just hit pause and then come back and you'll, you know, we'll be here waiting for you. And then, of course, Luca at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so, going to be a little bit a longer of an episode this week. Next week will be a, probably a really short episode. Yeah. Um, so, we'll kind of balance it out that way. Um, all right. Well, let's get into Loki episode two and three. Um, just in case people haven't seen three yet, because we are recording this like literally hours after it launched. Yeah. Um, let's keep them in order. So like, yep, let's that's try, not, fine. try not to spoil anything in episode three, just just in case people want to uh, just 
only hear about two and then yeah. come back later. So, uh, so only episode two is what we're going to be spoiling right now. Um, what would you think? So this is a follow up, obviously, to the premiere episode of the season, which was such a banger. Like that, yeah. that first episode was so good, and I was a little worried about like how could they follow this up mm-hmm. with a, with another episode. Uh, and they gave us a lot in episode two. What what did you think? Yeah, I feel like two was very good as well. Um, we had our friend Aaron Dicer kind of give us a brief preview of how he really enjoyed the first two episodes of Loki. So I figured it was going to be a good one. And I definitely feel like it didn't disappoint at all. Yeah. I thought I'm right there with you. It was great. It's, I might've honestly just liked it just as much as the first episode. There was a couple, there were a couple moments in the middle of the episode. I was like, is this episode better than episode one? Like we, we were getting so much meat and so much information more than I ever would have guessed for a second episode of a show that I was just like, I kind of like this maybe even better. Some of the the cool like little scenes that we were getting with Loki. But um, ultimately I think I like that both of the episodes about the same, but I'm not saying a lot because the first episode was phenomenal. Yeah. So, um, so that we, boy, they transitioned quickly into like, they, they were just like, let's, let's keep this ball rolling at 80 miles an hour. And I mean, within the first couple minutes of episode two, he's already wearing the jacket that says variants on the back. Mm-hmm. And he's basically it's buddy cop, right? Like yep. he's, he's a part of the team. Yeah. So for sure that went faster than I thought, but I liked it. Yeah. And not everybody of course is happy with the decision, but um, I feel like they, with it only being six episodes, they had to get rolling pretty fast and um so it was great to see um i enjoyed seeing more of like i guess we can call it time traveling and um it was so far one of the things i've liked so much about loki is there's been so many different scene sets and they've oh, yeah. been all over the place which is pretty crazy and that's a great point I, I mean, Falcon and Winter Soldier did that a little bit, but this show is going to do it even more yeah. than that show. And WandaVision, of course, you know, famously didn't really have any variants. Like mm-hmm. it, it was pretty much just that town, like the entire episode, the entire season. Yeah. So I've enjoyed that. Um, just seeing like the different locations that they've gone to and even the different time periods that they've gone to. Yeah. So I love, cause they, I mean, I think it's in the very first scene. Um, is like this old timey everyone's wearing super old like you know 16th century clothes 17th century clothes and you know there's no electricity and all this kind of stuff i'm like whoa they're going way back this is like you know maybe like salem massachusetts wandavision style you know they're going 400 years and back in our past whatever and it's like oshkosh wisconsin 1985 yeah like what (laughs) just a good old medieval festival So, have you ever been to a Renaissance festival? I have not. I, I don't know that I ever will. I, I have a friend that goes to the Renaissance festival up in Kansas City. Yeah. I, Pre-COVID, he he went every year um, for like a decade or something like that. He and his wife like to go. Um, and he tells me about it. I'm just like, it doesn't sound very fun to me. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know. I mean, I enjoy like King Arthur and that type of stuff. I just don't really think... It's really not my cup of tea to participate in it. Yeah, it's it's fun to watch it, but to like be there, I, yeah. I'm not sure I want to be there. Um, like just eating like stew and <laughs> mead. 
or I don't know what the turkey legs. <laughs> okay, I, I would be down for the turkey leg. That that sounds good. Um, anyways, so it's this Renaissance festival, and and basically, this you know bad Loki, uh, you know, trying to. We know a lot about this person in the third episode, so I'm, yeah. I'm going to be kind of cagey right now. But like, I mean, it's not not it. You find out in the second episode it's a woman, so that, that yeah. happens at the end of the episode and, and two. So I'm not and, spoiling anything. And in you do get that. the name if you paid attention. The credits. Oh, I didn't in yeah. episode two. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even look. I didn't even look for yeah. her name. And I mean, the only reason I knew that is because I read an article. Okay, interesting. Okay, so um, anyways, this this female Loki obviously is is at this Renaissance festival, and. Um, Basically, is like stealing. What are those things called? The the little uh, things that they drop on the ground, like timeline cleansers. I I don't know what the yeah. term is for it. I know that they say that they are pruning. They yeah. use the word pruning, like whenever there's a, a variant that does something in in like another timeline branches off of the sacred timeline. They they have to like destroy it. So yeah. that there's only one timeline, and that, so they're basically pruning all these other timelines around, and they do that with this little device. It's like a, it, it looks like a time bomb. Like she sets it for 20 minutes or whatever, and mm-hmm. it goes off. But um, like, it's it, anyway, it, it just destroys that thing. And she's been stealing them. Like she's been like bouncing around from time to time, all over you know wherever the the uh, time cops. Yeah. <laughs> I forget what they're called. Hunters, um, wherever they drop in, like she is like bouncing in grabbing their tech basically mm-hmm. and then bouncing out and she's collecting them and we have no idea what it why she's doing that why she's doing all this collection we find out at the end of the episode but um yeah it's this big mystery at the beginning of the of the show so <clears throat> and i i think my favorite scene or favorite lines or whatever that were exchanged during this this set where, where they're at this renaissance festival was watching Loki like try to pull one over his compatriots. I mean, they're not really his friends. Like he's, he's really fighting them if anything, but he like is like, you know, don't go outside. She's, she's waiting for you. You know, I, I know this person, she's just like me uh, or he or whatever. I think he says he, and, and then uh, (laughs) like you can see Mobius starting to go with it. And then, and then the, at the, I, I'm like, dude, he's conning you. Like he's absolutely conning you. But he hasn't known Loki. I guess he's seen real, you know, tape tape reel yeah. of of Loki. But like he hasn't seen him in the same way that we have in the movies or whatever. And so, so I, I mean, I guess he has. Anyway, he basically like at the very last seconds, just like you almost had me. You almost got me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, I do like their relationship. Like they, they trust. They trust each other, kind of. They're, Somewhat. They're willing to like tolerate each other more than what Loki would normally to- tolerate another human being. Like, not to. I mean, see, he, I think Mobius is somewhere in between Thor, which I think he actually kind of likes his brother, um, even though he has conned him a lot of t- a lot of times. Um, and you know, like the other extreme would be like, you know, Hulk or or someone else that he just can't stand. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like he gives Mobius more leash than a lot of people, and and yet he he just completely just tries to to pull one over. Oh on yeah, him, so. for sure. Because I mean, I feel like one thing that uh, has been very true about Loki throughout uh, his existence and the MCU is um, he always has his own agenda. Yeah, yeah. I I'm really enjoying the show mainly just because he's in it. Yeah, 
Um, he's just a fascinating guy. Um, I want to ask you a question. Because um, okay. one of the things that we see right after the Renaissance Festival th- part is um, Mobius has this really cool meeting with his boss and mm-hmm. like the that that woman that's in like the director yeah. office or whatever the nice office, and she calls him in because obviously she's not happy with his decision and like you know bringing Loki on as part of the team like it's very unorthodox for them, and so they have this brief conversation about the timekeepers and they're like this mysterious group of figures. They call them lizards and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, which I'm sure that's probably from the comics, but like no one's ever seen them. Like even the, even his boss hasn't seen him. Right. Like, yeah, she's, she's like, well, I haven't even seen the timekeepers. Here's my question. Are the timekeepers real? Yes. They are real. I mean, I don't know if it's plural. It might just be be just one, a timekeeper. Yeah. Okay. But I definitely think there is a human being or some sort of being. A lizard. <laughs> that is running the show. Okay. All right. Because I, like, I was thinking, um, you know what it reminded me of is The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, I know your wife loves Wizard. Yeah. Um, like the whole thing with that movie is that there's this mysterious Wizard of Oz that can grant wishes mm-hmm. and whatever. And then they get all the way to the Emerald City and there is no wizard. Yeah. Like it's just been this facade the whole time. And there's a a man behind the curtain, you know, mm-hmm. the famous line, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and, but he's not a, wi- I mean, he's, he's from earth and like, he's not like really even a wizard. Like they've crowned him wizard and he's, yeah. and he's basically ruling this air, this land from the shadows and he never comes out in public and no one's ever actually seen the wizard, but they all believe that he's real. And so I was thinking it's possible that they're, they're not real, but I, I imagine I've not read the comics. I imagine that the timekeepers are very much real in the, in the comics. So, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe if I hadn't seen the second episode or today's episode, um, episode three, maybe I would have said, you know, maybe it really isn't somebody writing the show, but after the third episode, I would definitely say, somebody or something is running the show. Yeah. Um, then we get a shot of, as they're kind of walking through the halls and stuff like that, that they're building of this more of the city. Like I'm, I'm the more I see it, the more I'm just enamored with like this TVA world, mm-hmm. whatever, wherever they are right now, there's 10, we're talking tens of thousands of employees. Like there's just, you know, first floor, second floor, third floor, 11th floor, 15th floor. Like it's like unbelievable how many, like skyscraper buildings there are and like, you know, each one has a couple thousand employees. Like, yeah. I mean, there's like, there's maybe hundreds of thousands of people that live in this area and we find out, we're not going to spoil that, but we find out just a little bit of tidbit of information in episode three about who they are. But like just in that shot, I was just like, Oh my God, like this is an amazing organization yeah, for sure. And it's pretty much just kind of like a well-oiled machine where everything's running very smoothly so it seems yeah there's there's even that scene where like he <laughs> he's always conning somebody all the time which that's what i love about his character but um he's trying to get the files like he's trying to do an investigation on the timekeepers through the timekeepers materials like yeah they're like um how he goes to the library logs. and yeah. stuff <laughs> and asks if he can see these certain files and they're <laughs> just like, no, you can't have that one. You can't have that one. Oh, I guess we'll give you that one. 
<laughs> yeah, the only one he gets is like the actual, uh, like his file. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, happy reading. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a, uh, you know, he asks for like the, um, you know, the annals, the, the books or whatever about the beginning of time, about yep. the beginning of the timekeepers, about the, you know, the, the TVA, the time variance authority organization, like it's like classified, classified, classified. Like it's not that these tomes don't exist. They do. It's just no one can read them. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, the only thing he has access to is his own file. So, and there'll be a little bit more to say about that when we get to episode three. Um, we'll hold that for now. So, um, then, then he has like this really like serious moment where he, I, I guess like he's reading the file, like his file. Yep. And I guess this was not covered in the video that he watched. Cause he like, he finds that like, this is your life movie yeah. and watches it of, of like future. I think there's a future events included in that video. Maybe not. Probably not. But he reads about them yep. in his file, like because that's the only thing he's, you know, actually has access to read, and learns about the destruction of Asgard. Like mm-hmm. he he learns about Ragnarok and that whole thing, and um, you know, ten thousand of his people dying yep. in that, and it has this moment where he's just like, "This is." I mean, he kind we kind of got that in episode one with his mom dying, mm-hmm. but like it's kind of like this is the fruits of of me like yep. of, of who I am you know, like whether I was directly responsible for this apocalypse I you know I was there I couldn't prevent it I c- should have but couldn't you know that kind of thing yeah and so he ha- kind of has this this real moment mm-hmm. and I mean I feel like um, one thing that we've seen in WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier is um, and we've talked about this several times, the humanizing of these superheroes yeah. or super beings. And I feel like they're also trying to pull that uh, with Loki as well. It's a bigger task with Loki, isn't yep. it? Um, but if anyone can do it, it's these guys. Like, I I don't want them to go, like, I don't want him to go full good guy, like, by the end of the show. But I wouldn't mind if he has a little bit of a change of heart. If anything yeah. could do it, we've talked about this a little bit, but if anything could do it, it could be this, like where he's, mm-hmm. he literally has like, a, it's a wonderful life moment yeah. and realizes, you know, Hey, you know, I've, you know, I'm the dirty deeds guy and this is what happens. Help you- me Clarence. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> exactly. So help me Mobius. <laughs> but this about apocalypse thing, like reading about Ragnarok, um, gives him the idea, right? Yep. Um, and why don't you talk about that? I've been talking about. And um, basically, he gets this idea that uh, the variant could be hiding inside an apocalypse. Now, he doesn't know exactly what apocalypse, but he says that if it was him, that's what he would do because everything he does is still erased and he could just keep going back to that same place and... Um, the events just keep getting erased and nobody could ever find them. Yeah. I think this is brilliant storytelling, mm-hmm. by the way, like yep. that they come up, came up with this idea. There's that hilarious scene with the salad where he like destroys Mobius' salad yep. to make a point. But like he, he's putting like salt on it Whatever he's like, he's like the, you know, the, you can do whatever you want 
like the variant could show up in, in the middle of Pompeii. Like yep. we'll, we'll get there in a second and do whatever he or she wants. And it's not going to do anything because that like the, the TVA doesn't have to come in and destroy that timeline because like everyone in that town dies. Yeah. <laughs> There's no butterfly effect when everyone that's around you is deceased in like 30 minutes. Yeah. And so like, he's like, if, if I was going to go anywhere and cause a stir, that's where I'd go to hide. Yeah. And I mean, obviously it's a good hunch because we're led to believe that they're chasing a lady Loki. So obviously their, their thought patterns are going to be very similar. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's exactly why Mobius is so smart, right? Like the, he, he knew he needed this kind of guidance, guidance from, yeah, you know, this, this, um, person that's, you know, consulting for them. So, so they do go to Pompeii. That's the next yeah. thing. And, and, and they reference like, okay, there's a lot of apocalypses out there. Like, you know, and they're like, well, just pick one or whatever. Let's, let's just look around and see if we can find one. And, and really they go to Pompeii, if, if nothing else, just to prove the point. Cause Mobius, I like, I like how skeptical Mobius is. Like yeah. he's like, okay, I've been around for thousands of years. You know, you're whatever, a couple hundred years on, you know, in this world or whatever is nothing compared to my knowledge. And yet he's never thought about this, but, and Loki comes up with it like on the fly after being there for like 24 hours. And, uh, turns out he's right. Like, and Mobius is just shocked as everyone else is like, he's like, wow. Like, cause he like, he literally upsets the ap- apple cart. There's like a cart that he like destroys. Yeah, it's a very funny scene. <laughs> and, um, he releases all those goats Yeah, and then he's telling the villagers they're all about to die. And he's like, doesn't he say like, I'm a God or something like that? He's a, <laughs> he's from the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, then the volcano is going to erupt and then the volcano explodes. <laughs> yeah. And they like, they get out like just at the very last second is like the, the hot lava is like consuming yeah. the, the entire area. And, and it turns out he's right. Like you could do whatever you want. Cause those people are dead. Like, yeah, exactly. you know, it's not going to affect anything timeline wise. So, cause it, that's what they're looking for is they're looking for variance events, right? Like these events that, that, cause these offshoots Mm -hmm. and there's no offshoot that is caused in that moment because it doesn't last long enough. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting to, to think about that all the way through. So then they basically have to do their homework pretty much and try and find somewhere where this variant could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you want to go to the next big area of the 21st century? Yeah, so um, one thing we've learned from Marvel and these past shows is they don't um, just put something in there for the heck of it. Yeah. So we knew that the Kablooey gum would come up again at some point. Yep. And they literally go through the files and try and find where Kablooey is. And it literally is only on earth from 2047 to 2051. And there is only one apocalypse that happens in between that time. So Loki is like, we need to go here and it's in Alabama. And so, um, Loki's just like, I know this is where they are. Yeah. And so they get a whole group of them and they head to Alabama in 2050. Yeah, it's like this SWAT team kind of moves in on this 
it's a rocks cart. It's basically a Walmart. Yeah. Um, but uh, kind of an interesting nod to Marvel stuff because like um, Roxxon is 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 the the big like Marvel corporation that you've seen in yep. even in other MCU movies. It's like been in the background of shots or whatever. Uh, Roxxon is is a uh, a big part of Spider Man, and I mm-hmm. think it's shown up in at least one of the Spider Man movies. I can't remember which one. Okay, and then I think it's in the background of one of the shots of one of the Iron Man movies or something like that. Roxxon. Um, so yeah, in 2050, like apparently they've started a chain of department stores called Roxcart, which, which does not exist. I, I looked that one up, but there's never been a Roxcart in a Marvel comic. So that was something that they came up okay. with. It's just kind of a funny thing. So, and it's like this hurricane tsunami type thing. Like yeah. the, the waves are like coming up on the shore and destroying everything in, in its path. And, um, they came in, come in from the, from the rain. Uh, Loki does this quick thing where he like dries himself with magic and then yep. like okay whatever um and then these uh i think they're just called reset charges aren't they the yeah thing- something like that i i tried to look for the official name but i think i mean that's good enough for me yeah so you think it's just one at first right then yep. I, I don't think it's till the end of the episode where you realize that there's like a hundred of them but like uh- in this uh, recap, it says a time charge. Time charge. Okay. Yeah. So we see the first time we see this variant, she is in like the surveillance room, like where all the cameras are. Yep. And she drops that that thing and says it's a twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and we think it's just the one um, yep. at first, and she ends up. We're not really even sure what her powers are at first because it's Loki that figures this out figures it out before the audience does right so there's this um this african-american hunter i think she's like uh b15 15 okay b15 and she's kind of been like a not a main character but like she's been in every episode like yep. she or i mean not three hardly the anyone's in three two episodes <laughs> yeah the first two episodes um and so we, we kind of have gotten to know this this lady a little bit and that helps the audience trust her right like that b15 that really is b15 and then um so the first thing I thought was that she was like masquerading as B-15, mm-hmm. this bad, bad Loki. Yeah. Um, but it turns out that like, she's just like jumping from body to body, like controlling yeah. them. And, and I, I won't, I don't won't get into like how, what she's actually doing. Cause that's fully covered in episode three, but she, her powers are not the same as Loki's, which is very interesting to me. Yeah. So, cause I mean, it's basically like mind control and we've seen, Loki do that, but um, he's always had to have the Mind Stone with him. Oh. And, um, but she can do it by herself. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even remember that. Um, Yeah. Cause his, his thing is more like he changes his appearance. Like, yeah, he's kind of a mystique kind of, kind of character to pull, you know, an X-Men reference, but like where he, he could turn into, uh, Odin, for example, for years, yeah, and like no one ever notices. So, yeah, that I mean, that's kind of his thing. Is like he's the god of mischief, and he he's you know basically conning people all the time. Yeah, her thing is more. It's a little more sinister. I I think is like I'm actually going to control you. Like I'm going to take over your body, your minds, and your mind now. And so, like she jumps from that B15 lady to like one of the employees that's walking around mm-hmm. Roxcar, like he's yep. in a Roxcar uniform and everything. But she's like speaking through these people, super creepy. 
Um, you know what it kind of reminded me of? I don't know if you've watched a lot of the Netflix Marvel stuff. No, not really. Okay, it's um, this doesn't really spoil anything if, if anyone's listening to this and hasn't seen it, but it reminds me of the Jessica Jones uh, season one stuff. Okay. So um, without spoiling too much, they're, the, the big bad in Jessica Jones, it, it's different, but it's similar uh, yeah. p- power where like, he he can basically like control people's thoughts, um, okay. and it's super dark in that in that show. So, um, but they call it in episode three. This is not a spoiler. In episode three, they call it enchant enchantment. Yeah. So like she's enchanting these people. So, um, <laughs> at one point, Loki, you know, he Loki discovers figures out that it's her like mm-hmm. immediately, and which was a surprise to me. And then like one of the bodies that she takes over is like this fat like this big fat redneck yeah. kind of guy and like he actually like she fights loki as this redneck yeah and it's the funniest thing ever like i, I love watching loki just like barely keep it together as this guy's like throwing haymakers and stuff like that yeah like, it's really funny and uh then loki of course um how we always talk about that he always has whatever he wants um, and so he basically throws out this offer to Lady Loki and, um, she basically shuts him down because yeah. apparently they're, she doesn't want the same thing that Loki wants. Yeah. She's very much fighting for her own agenda, uh, for sure. And we, we learn more about that in episode three. Um, then like all of the reset charges light up, like yeah. all at the same time, you're like, what the crap? Like, what is going on here? And then like, even like back at TVA, you just see all these timelines just going nuts. Yeah. So, okay. So she, maybe I misunderstood that part that all the reset charges are like, cause it, okay. So the next scene that the next thing you ha- they all go off, right? The next thing that happens is there's like, a hundred new timelines that have all branched off all at the same time. So is that because she dropped reset charges in all these? Yep. Okay. Okay. I I guess I misunderstood that. So, all right. So all these reset charges go off on all these, you know, different parts of time of one timeline, like all sacred timeline, but different points in history. And then they all branch off all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So like they can, you kind of get the impression that they can kind of hang as long as they're only doing like one at a time, they're kind of trickling in little by little by little. They're just kind of managing things. But when like a hundred timelines all get created at the same time, they can't really like, they're not ready for that. Yeah. So, so basically they, um, what they use in the actual episode, um, the analyst says somebody just bombed the sacred timeline. Yeah. I love that line. That's so cool. So what do you think? I mean, I can ask this because I don't think this is, isn't really even addressed in episode three. Like I, I don't think the answer to this question will come until episode four. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't seen three yet, I'm, I'm not, I don't know anything that you don't know. Um, what, what is the purpose of this? Is this distraction? Like, is it to get all the hunters out of headquarters? Like, yeah, kind of, I would say partially. And I also think it's going, it's also making it harder to track. Lady Loki. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that, that's good. Yeah, because it's like, where is she now? Because, yeah. you know, there's a hundred different places she could be. The TVA's sole purpose is to make it into one timeline. So, obviously, they're going to be so busy 
And but also I think it'll make it a lot difficult to figure out what she's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's kind of in IT we you, you call that uh security by obscurity. Like it's so obscure what's going on that it, it's it's a needle in a, in a haystack situation. Yeah, for sure. So, um and then she just disappears. She goes through she uses um a temp pad is what they call it yep. in episode three to basically bounce and goes through this port, this portal door shows up and she walks through it and she's gone. And then of course the episode ends with Loki chasing after her. He, yep. he just, um, very like instinctively just runs in, right into danger and just jumps in. Yeah. So. And leaves everybody else behind. Yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of it as far as the events for episode two. Um, I did want to bring this up because I, I do think there's going to be a lot about this in, in this, in the season. Um, I don't think it comes up as much in episode three, but um, there's this really great conversation in the middle of the episode where Mobius and my favorite, my favorite conversations between any two characters, including in episode three are between Mobius and, and Loki. Yep. I, I think they have fascinating, fascinating conversations and they're playing is their tennis matches. Like they're literally hitting the ball they're they're spiking the ball at each other over and over again with their words yep. and it's 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 brilliant writing I, I think it's really fascinating to watch um at one point mobius drops the line the tv to the tva is real because i believe it's real and because loki's like really saying like are there even timekeepers out there is time even real you know like you know is the tva real and and mobius is a, he's a believer man like he's a true believer he's like it's real because i believe it's real yep and then they talk about free will and that's where again i think the whole the whole season's going to really touch on that um mobius believes whether it's not not this is true or not is, is going to you know we'll find out with time, but he truly believes that the TVA people are the only ones who are truly free. Yeah. Um, like that they, um, and I think Loki is starting to come around to that same idea as well. But like, if you live in TVA world, whatever this is called, then you get to make whatever decisions you want to make and no one can stop you because they're like outside of time essentially. But people who are bound by time are not, are never truly free because yeah. their decisions are being like watched all the time. So, yeah, which, I mean, I feel like some of that was answered in episode three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that here in a moment. Um, and then, like, one of the questions, these are fascinating questions, but one of the questions Loki asked Mobius is, what are the timekeepers even doing? Like, what, yeah. what, is, what is their job here? And he's like, the timekeepers are working on the ending, writing the ending to the sacred timeline, which is so fascinating to me. Like, there, there is an ending that they want to see happen, and they're orchestrating the events of the sacred timeline so that the ending is something that they will into existence. Like, they're writing the end of the story, yep. uh, which I think is, is fascinating. He says, we'll meet at peace. We'll meet in peace at the end of time when everything is pruned. Um, and then... Uh, on a completely different subject matter, I wrote down this line from Loki, which I think is going to come back again and again throughout the rest of the season. But he says, quote, no one bad is ever truly bad and no one good is ever truly good. And I think we're going to see that, that theme again, like maybe, I mean, it comes up a little bit already in three, but like four, five, six, I think you're going to start seeing that a lot. Like, Obviously, the person who's bad is Loki, but is he ever truly bad, like all the time, or does he do good stuff sometimes? Yeah, um, we've already seen in the movies that he can, and then no one good 
timekeepers, Mobius, whoever you want to insert there is, is, is never truly good. Like, you know, um, so I think, I think like in any story, the good guy can always become the bad guy and the bad guy can always become the good guy. And it looks like they're teaming that up already. Yeah. So cool. Well, we're going to, at this point, we're going to jump into episode three. So if you've not seen episode three and you want to watch it before listening to our spoiler discussion, uh, go ahead and hit pause. Um, you come right back to us after you watch the episode, just a shorter episode, about 35 minutes or so without credits. And so uh, go watch that 35 minutes, come back. Uh, we are now going to jump into spoilers for episode three. Yeah. Um, okay. So one of the biggest things in this episode is no Mobius. Yep. It's, it's a, this is a huge detour. Yeah, what we've seen for so sure. Far. And um, it's kind of one of those things where um, we knew it was going to happen <laughs> and it's happened in all three shows so far, <laughs> but we have to have a filler episode. Yeah, this is it. This yeah. is definitely it. What? What's And four, maybe half of that, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe not. But this was an all boring episode to me, but I would say probably about probably about a good 10 minutes of it was pretty boring. Yeah. To me. I feel like there really is only like maybe two or three things major that you can take away from this I going agree. forward. Yeah, I agree. I, I think there's some really fun stuff to watch. Like just, it's just candy is what it yep. is. But like the, the actual meat and potatoes and stuff like that, there's not a lot in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the most interesting things we learn are who she is, who Sylvia is and, um, and their relationship. Cause I think that their relationship relationship is already really interesting to watch. Um, and then also just the the little tidbit about the people that live in TVA world. Yep. So, um, and then of course the ending, which basically sets the next episode into motion, but, yeah. But those are probably the three main things I would say. I, I kind of wonder when, like how many minutes into the episode four, we're actually going to see them get back to the, to the TVA. Yeah. Like, cause they're stuck on this moon and it's not going well. Like they have like maybe hours to live. Yeah. I almost wonder if like Mobius is going to bail them out. Yeah. Somebody has to, right. And like, it's a smart, it's a smart, if they do that, that's smart storytelling because I was like, what, what incentive do they have to, to come back to the, the good, the quote unquote good graces of the TVA at this point? Yeah. Like, couldn't they just be on the run forever? And as long as the TVA can't catch them, then they're good to go. I think they had to set up a scenario where they come groveling back. Please yeah. say, please save us to the TVA. And I mean, obviously they're, um, both Loki and Sylvie's master plan has to go with the timekeepers. So obviously they're going to come back to TVA world eventually. Yeah. So we learn some about Sylvie's plans, what she's been doing all this time, and kind of how she's been going about it. Do do you think that Loki and Sylvie ultimately want the same thing? Kind of. What what enumerate that for me? Like what 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 are um, their differences and what are their similarities? I would say Loki wants to overthrow the Timekeepers just for the power aspect. Okay. And um, Sylvie. I mean, it's tough to really tell what she wants at this point. I don't really think it's power because I feel like she already thinks she has enough power as it is. Mm. 
And so I feel like that's kind of where they veer off because Loki, of course, he wants the ultimate power. Yeah, if there's, like, he's a he's a tiger, but the TV is a lion, so they, he's yeah. got to take the lion down. Like, he can't have any king of the jungle, like, above him. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's good. Um, I think, I don't know, there's part of me that wonders if she just wants freedom. Like, just, you know, there's been a lot about, you know, the chains that the TVA has on all of us. Um, because we're not truly free to make our own decisions. Like, I almost wonder if she's rebelling against that. Obviously, they've been hunting her, so she wants that to stop. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, she said later in the episode, um, she literally has had this planned for, I don't remember how many years she said. Years, yeah. But, and Loki basically screwed it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she had this, this big idea, and she ends up basically having to escape. She... Okay, so the very first thing that happens, because the the big the the big question left over from two was where are they going? Like mm-hmm. they go, step through this portal. What's the only, what's on the other side? They when they get to the other side, there's this. We'll get to this the dinner scene with her and this you know friends or whatever at the dinner table because that's really not part of like the answer to that question. But they the answer to the question is that they drop into like the hallway right in yeah. front of the timekeepers, right? Or the ele- yeah. elevator or whatever. Which um, that TVA um, official person basically tells Sylvie where the timekeepers are located. Yeah. And we, we learn more later in the episode about how she pulls this off. But like, because she talks about how there's like the weak-minded. This, By the way, this is very Jedi. Like yeah, <laughs> when you think about sure. this, like when you really get down to it, this is like um, Jedi mind trick is what, yeah. basically what she's doing. So like the Jedi mind trick actually works the same way. Like on the weak willed, the weak minded, the Jedi mind trick works very easily. You know, these aren't the droids you're looking for. And then, mm-hmm. and then the, the stormtrooper says, these aren't the droids you're looking, yeah. I'm looking for. But like on other characters in the star Wars universe galaxy, they, they, they do, the mind trick doesn't work because they're too power. Their their mind is too powerful. So like Loki fits in that category. His mind is way too powerful for her. Um, and then this girl is Hunter, whatever B twenty or whatever her yeah. number is. She is like halfway between like weak minded and strong willed. And so she in order she can still overtake them, but in order to accomplish it, she has to like come up with a fantasy that they really want to yeah, be she- real. She pretty much uh, opens up like a facade type uh, scenery. Yeah. So that's the very first scene we see in this in the show. Again, all these episodes have started way different than I thought they would. Yeah. But like, I I love it. I mean, I'm I'm eating it all up. But the the first scene is literally just. I mean, I wasn't even sure we when we would even see Sylvie again. Like, yep. is it five minutes in, ten minutes in? Literally one second in, we see mm-hmm. Sylvie Sylvie just sitting at a table with some woman and I didn't even remember her like, yeah. cause you see her very, very, very short, uh, shortly in episode two. And so I didn't even remember her. And then it's clear that it's this hunter. Yeah. And I mean, of course we've been watching these like the day they come out. So yeah. Um, I mean, it's very hard to remember every minuscule character in this episode. Yeah. But- there's, there's one part where the hunter like, almost starts to snap out of it. Like, she's like, I see what you're doing here. This isn't, this isn't the conversation. I don't know you. Like, you're not my best friend. And then she like snaps or whatever. And then like the scenery changes. And then she like 
you know, it's like you're, she's back in it. Is, you're fishing, right? Like so, so you've got the the rod and reel, and you're pulling in the fish. The fish starts to get away, and you, and you snap it back in, and then start yep. reeling it in again. So that's basically what happens there. But yeah, she's using this, you know, technique to mm-hmm. basically get the information that she needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. So, so yeah, they <laughs> because he jumps in right behind her and chases her down and whips out a couple daggers and is going to fight her and stuff like that. And then they get that delays her enough that like, you know, the director or whatever her name is and some other hunters like come around the corner and basically start to fight them and they have to get away. That's the only reason that she doesn't jump in that door elevator or whatever it is into the timekeepers. Like it's low, it's Loki wanting to stop her. And then ultimately all the TVA guys wanting to stop both of them that they end up having to just like jump away and give up on that, whatever she was going to do. So, um, and then we go to this moon and like, at first I was like, is it, do we have, have we seen something like this in guardians of the galaxy? And I don't think we have, I don't, I don't remember the name lamentus. Yeah, I don't either. So it's, it's a moon. It's not a planet. Uh, it's, it's a very nearby moon to this planet. And in 2077 in, on Lamentis one, this moon, that's basically the, this day in, in that history is when the, the planet Where? crashes into the moon, which yeah. is insane to think about. So <laughs> I, I love how like Sylvia at one point is like, um, of all the, the apocalypses out there, this is the worst apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the most destructive one, like worse than Pompeii, worse than everything else. So, yeah. Cause I mean, you're basically talking about, uh, complete planet just exploding yeah and there's like no one's gonna survive this like yeah. they have an arc where only the richest of the rich can even get onto it can even get a ticket to get on and everyone else is gonna perish on this moon basically yeah uh, they have like 12 hours um right before they're able to to go um who pushes the button is it loki loki has the tempad. yeah loki's the one that gets them to that place so she had it on speed dial Yep. And he pressed one mm-hmm. and they went to pretty much Lamentis. <laughs> yep. Cause, um, they talk about how she had a bunch of different like apocalypses, like pre-programmed into this temp pad. Okay. And this is the one that Loki picked because was, he doesn't really understand what it is. Yeah. And it was low on battery. Yeah. <laughs> so now they're trying to find a way that they can recharge it. This is all very filler stuff. Yeah. Like, like even like talking about it now is just like, okay, that's very convenient. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you have to do that to tell, you know, to get us to the next like major plot point. But, um, I do like their relationship. I, I think the most, the most intriguing parts of the episode, other than like the knowledge drops, were just watching the two of them interact with each other. They obviously have a, a huge distrust of each other and they should yeah. when they first meet each other. But then, like, as the episode's going along, like, there's even a line towards the end of the episode where they're like, so we trust each other now, right? And you can tell they still don't quite, but they're getting there. Like, with mm-hmm. every every um, bad situation that they get out of because they're working together, they start to realize, hey, we kind of want the same thing here. We want both want to get out alive. Like, let's actually work together to get through this. And, uh, and yet, he would still want, like, go to sleep around her because she's just going to leave him in the dust. Yeah. You know? So, um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed watching them just kind of hash it out together. Mm-hmm. 
So, and she's phenomenal by what, by the way, she's a great actress. Yeah. She does a very good job. And so they basically like weasel their way onto this train. And once again, it's kind of all filler. I mean, nothing really major happens in this sequence. Um, Basically, like we talked about already, they're just looking for a way to recharge the temp pad. Right. And th- there's not a lot of power to be had. Like they find that like neon sign or whatever yeah. on the way. And she's like, uh, a nightlight's gonna, not going to kick this thing into gear. Yeah. So then. But they realize like this arc, which by the way, never makes it. Like yeah. she, she knows from history, from the timeline that even the arc gets destroyed. In the, mm-hmm. as they're leaving the, the moon, presumably. And so, well, we see that. We see it happen um, on screen at the end. And so she's like, they don't need the power anyways. <laughs> Let's just take it and get out of Dodge. And yeah, so that like that's the, the whole MacGuffin in this episode is we got to get to that. Yeah. That ship. So, um, I mean, honestly, from this part on, it's kind of all fillers. Um, you know there's going to be because they're on this train, um, which they're not supposed to be. So obviously they're going to throw a wrench in it at some point and the security guards show up and then they get thrown off the train. Yeah. And I mean, I liked that sequence by that. Yeah. By the way, that, that fight sequence, it kind of, it wasn't as flashy, but it, it did kind of remind me of the, um, apartment fight scene in Falcon winter soldier. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of chaos going on all over the bar. Yeah. And so I actually, I kind of liked that fight sequence. It was a little short, but uh, Loki throwing that guy out the window was fun. And then he got thrown out of the same window and yeah, it was, it was fun. And she's a great, you never know how much of her like own combat she's doing, like her Mm -hmm. own stunts or whatever, but boy, she looks great in that fight scene. Like she's just flipping around, kicking dudes. Like she's, she's getting the fight. So, um, yeah, and, and right before this, we don't have to take everything in, in order necessarily, but I did like the the conversation about love that they had. So like at first she's like, love is hate. And he's like, oh, that's rich. I got to write that down. Love is hate. And she's like, shut up. Uh, and then um, she says, she's kind of making fun of him and says, love is mischief. Yep. And then um, he jumps in and he says, love is, and they can't really think about it. And like, he can't really come up with anything. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, okay, that's very low key. Like to you know, not really even believe in love, you know? Yeah. And, um, then he, so Tom Hiddleston plays this drunken Loki, which is great to watch. And he gets really drunk and then starts singing. And that song was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Yeah. I I like, he's not the greatest singer in the world, but he's good. Like Mm -hmm. he's a pretty good singer. And this like minor key type, like, it's 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 like a pub type song. Yeah, exactly. It's it's what old it's, school like seventeen hundreds type. Yeah, song you would see. It's it's what they would have sang in Asgard after like vanquishing their foes in a battle yeah. or something like that uh, around the pub uh, as they drink their their ale or mead or whatever. But like it's it, so the I was I, I always watch the subtitles on because I want to catch every word. It, it when he's singing in not English, it says singing in Asgardian. So like he's okay. singing in their language, but it sounds um, Norse. Like mm-hmm. I mean, Thor is the Norse god of thunder. So yeah. like, it, it sounds like you know Earth Norse language basically. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it actually is or not, but it it's got the same kind of sounds uh, in it. 
um, that you would expect from like that kind of language. And it's gorgeous. I, I like, I really loved that, that little song that he sang and he's getting everyone into it and they're playing, you know, on their like futuristic stringed instruments yeah. and stuff like that. Like that song, that scene was kind of cool. It had nothing to do with like the plot <laughs> of the, of the episode. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention it quickly, but, uh, they get thrown out. The tempad gets destroyed in the fall. Um, which I, I had read and like, um, one of the recaps, they said that it could have just been a facade that, um, Oh, Loki could actually have a tempad that is fully functioning. Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's brilliant. Yeah. You think that's what they're going to do? Maybe. Cause like, I mean, he's had many opportunities. Well, no, cause it, it still needs a charge. Yeah. Unless he he ultimately and, still needs her. Yeah, unless he has a full functioning one already. Yeah, and now the arc is gone, so yeah, like he doesn't even have a chance to get the power for his tempad. So yeah, I I do I, I do like the push and pull of their need for each other. Like yep. she needs him obviously because he has the tempad, but he needs her because he doesn't know how to use it. <laughs> yeah. So like, like even charging it up, like he has no idea how that's even done. He he thinks that a neon sign can charge yeah. it up. So. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely putting up with, with each other, but I think they're also coming around to each other too. Like mm-hmm. there, there were a couple of moments where I was like, are they going to do like a romantic thing? Cause that's kind of weird. Like yeah. it, it's like Loki and Loki, um, falling in love. But, um, there was a couple of moments where they were like really close to each other and like mm-hmm. speaking very softly. I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, are they going to kiss or something? Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I, I do think that they are like, they definitely respect each other because I mean, they're essentially the same person. Um, I, the other part that I, th- I thought was very interesting conversation wise was in a quiet moment, they were discussing each other's mother yep. and they have the same mother. Presumably. I don't think, mm. I don't know that they say it explicitly, but I mean, it has to be the same mom. And so um, he was adopted. Sh- she was adopted in her timeline, yep. by, presumably by Odin and his wife. And, um, but they had very different experiences with their mom. Like her mom presumably died like super yeah. early. She's like, I don't even remember my mom. And then she's like, you can see her ears prick up when Loki starts talking about his mother. Cause mm-hmm. essentially that's her mother in an alternate timeline. And she's like, tell me about her. And they starts telling all these stories about how he was loved by his mom and raised and, you know, you know, brought up to be who he is today. And, you know, how she taught him like some of his powers. Exactly. And stuff. And, and she's like, you can almost see um, just like awe, but also a little jealousy of like, I wish mm-hmm. I had that same yeah. experience with my mom. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was a really unique uh, scene that you couldn't yeah, really otherwise sure. see in another show. <laughs> so, and then that last sequence of them running through the city, I think looked awesome. Yeah. It was very like futuristic and apocalypse which of course yeah um it's something that you would see like straight out of like a futuristic video game kind of yeah i i thought it looked every bit as good as some of the bigger action set pieces in the movies yeah and we i know we said that about falcon and winter soldier like watching falcon fly through the canyon and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. this is legit man like i i truly believe that they could have inserted a scene like this in guardians 3 yeah so it was it's very, that good. Yeah. It, and I mean, 
it's just kind of one of those things that we've talked about several times um, going over this Marvel stuff. Um, this stuff is good enough to be a movie if they just ran it all together. Oh, yeah. I wonder. I, I do wonder if, if there's going to be marathons. There's, there has to be, as long as Disney allows that to happen, of course. Yeah. Uh, or they just buy a chain of... <laughs> They're all movie theaters, but like absolutely. I mean, if if Alamo can work out that deal, you yes, there will be an Alamo showing of like six straight hours of of Loki. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just don't see any reason why they would not want to do that. <laughs> they they'll yeah. sell a ton of food <laughs> doing For it sure. that way. So, um, yeah, it's 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 this is big screen worthy. Like I I love watching it on my laptop. I love watching it on my my 4K TV at home, yeah. but. Ultimately, it's you know it's a fifty something inch television. I'm watching it on. I want to watch this on a big screen. Yeah, um, I'm sure it would look amazing. So, um, so yeah, that that last scene of them just running through absolute chaos and like dodging missiles. One or not missiles, but uh, meteors. One one of them actually like kind of hits them. Like it, yeah, it lands right next to them, and they have to get up and keep running through like a, another building and then out the, the other side. It's I think it's really great. It's it's, it's it looks it's shot. The way that it looks is like a one shot. Like mm-hmm. the camera never stops filming. I'm sure there there are creative ways to like yeah. stitch it where it looks that way. Uh, maybe we can um, ask our our friend about that, um, uh, Rick Ives, um, yeah. if he can talk about it. But um, but yeah, I the, the the stitching of that, the editing of that scene um, towards the end, I think was phenomenal. So Rick, Rick, if you're hearing this and had even the slightest bit to do to do with that, uh, Bravo! That that was pretty amazing. Um, and then, yeah, the art gets destroyed right before their eyes yeah. at the end. And they have a, presumably, if, if it is a facade earlier, they have a tin pad, but it doesn't have any power. The only power source just literally blew up right in front of them, and yeah. they have no options left. And they literally said that, um, well, if we can't get back to it, we're dead. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, they have no other options. Yeah. So this is where... I want to say that probably the TVA is going to bail them out. Yeah, yeah, and, Mike, and put them into custody. I, I'm, I, I'm interested to know how they even know that they're there. Yeah. Um, maybe there's some residue that gets left. They're going to come up with some reason. Like, here's how we knew where you guys mm-hmm. just went, where you just bounced. Because the whole point of this apocalypse thing is that they can't be found. Yeah. Like they just have to guess at where they went. So I, I'll be very interested to see how they wrap that up. I almost wonder if I'm not sure it's I'm not I'm not sure they're ready to reveal the timekeepers yet. But I almost wonder if like the timekeepers are the only ones that have that knowledge. Yeah. Like the, only the time timekeeper, one person, one lizard or three lizards, only the lizards know where they went. Yeah. And they and have to go. They just pull the string. Yeah. And- yeah, because I, I don't. I truly believe like the the actual TVA like hunter people. Like I don't. I don't think they have any clue where they went. Yeah. So. Which yeah. I mean, I guess we can talk about that reveal. About oh yeah. The TVA. Oh, I totally forgot. Go for it. Um. Well, Sylvie. Um. Because Loki makes some sort of comment about how, um, Mobius had told him that they were created by the timekeepers and so forth, and Sylvie's like, "Well, that's a lie." Um, they're basically, they just get chosen as variants and that's what they are is these variants and they're regular people and they're just like us Mm -hmm. and they're 
I mean, basically, they're brainwashed. Yeah, like she even says, like they don't even remember it. Yeah. Like they don't remember remember their previous life on on Earth or wherever planet they're from. Like, yeah, that that's why everyone in the TVA looks like a human because they're all humans. Yeah, from Earth they got like basically sucked up to to the TVA world, and um, they just don't remember that yeah, they pretty much they were they were born on Earth. <laughs> So, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean that shows you how much, how long they've been doing this. I mean, long is is a weird word to say when you're outside of time, but like, yeah, they they've been doing this for so many times that they mm-hmm. have literally, you know, seventy five thousand people up there. Yeah, and it's it's just people that they've like pulled. I mean, just pulled out like a puppet off of Earth into the TVA. So yeah, it's pretty much just like people that they feel like can be of use to them yeah so here's here's the real question i didn't think about this until right this second i I just watched the episode like a few hours ago so i haven't had a lot of time to think about it um i almost wonder if the end of the show isn't more we know loki wants to be the savior like Mm -hmm. we've seen that in ragnarok in the ragnarok movie he's like you know i'm here let's say i'm your i'm your savior come to me you know like he wants to be seen as the hero even though he's a bad dude, like that's ultimately what he wants is like fame and gl- yeah. and glory. Like he wants to take all the glory for himself. I almost wonder if he spins the takeover, if he in- ends up taking over the TVA and killing the timekeepers or whatever. I almost wonder if it's, he, he spins it as I'm, um, I'm redeeming all these people. Like I'm going to send them all back to earth and like free them, so to speak. Um, snap them out of their, their dream state. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. Cause these sure. are real, real people with souls. Like they're made to live forever, but that's not what they were designed mm-hmm. to be. So, so yeah, I think that's pretty much all I got. The, the only scene we kind of skipped over and it's, it's really inconsequential, but I did kind of like that, that scene where they go to that, that, that poor lady's home. She's got like a, a modern, their, yeah. their version of a shotgun yeah. in her, in her lap. And, um, Loki's like, don't go in there. He's he's like, you don't want to use brute force. She opens the door and she just gets blasted out of there. And then Loki's like, here, diplomacy is the way to go. Let me show you. And then he turns into like her husband yeah. or something like that. And he's like, and for a while there, she starts to buy it. And then he says something that's really out of character for him. Like, um, it's been so long. I missed you or whatever. And then he gets blasted out of there because she's like, he would never say that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I can't. I can't wait for episode four. Keep them coming, man. Like I'm. I'm all yeah. all the way bought in. The only thing that that it stinks about watching it like the day that it comes out is we have to wait seven whole days for yeah. the next episode. <laughs> so um, three left. We're about halfway through, and I think it's going pacing wise. Like it feels like it's just right, man. Like yeah. I I this was definitely a slower episode, but um, they have three full episodes left. I don't know that this has to be a huge story. Like just keep it tight and uh, keep it moving, and I think it's gonna be really good. Yeah. Very good. So far. Okay. Uh, told you this is going to be a long episode. We, uh, we're going to finish out uh, before we kind of do our, our last things on a review of Luca. So uh, very interesting, this release of this movie. It is a Pixar movie, but essentially came out for quote unquote free. Yeah. Like it's, if you pay your, was it seven ninety nine a month yep. now for Disney Plus? If you pay your seventy nine ninety nine a month, you just get this movie. Yeah. And it, it's, there's not a three-month wait. There's no premiere access. It's just, 
here you go. Here's a free Pixar movie mm-hmm. and you don't have to spend $40 at the theater taking your family to go see it. Like I, it's, it's a weird world, man. Um, and let me, before we get into the, the movie itself, let me ask you this. Do you think that devalues this movie in your brain? Like had we watched this on a big screen in the theater, like we did for Cruella, for example, um, do you think this movie would have felt bigger? Does it feel like a direct video movie is what I'm asking? What do you think? Kind of. And I'll preface that by saying, compared to what we've seen from Pixar, it kind of is lower standards. I mean, yeah. I would say I'd probably give it around an 8 out of 10. I think I'm about the same. But I mean, the toy stories of the world, the cars of the world, yeah, Finding Dory, Finding Nemo, um, Monsters, Inc., um, what else? It's not In- quite Incredibles. It's not. It's not that level. It's not really that type of level. It's more like the Braves of the world. Sure, the Wallies. And, and Brave and Wally are phenomenal movies. Yeah. So like, I I think I think you're I'm exactly where you are. I think as far as like review like score type wise, yeah. we don't really do scores on the show, but I like eight out of ten seems about right to me as well. And I, I figure probably a lot of the um, actual critics out there are probably doing about the same on the on the scoring, but. Uh, I think I, I think I said I had like an 89 or 90 or something like that on Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes, which honestly is, it's not low for Pixar, but it is lower than like half oh, the, yeah, half the movies. Because sure. I mean... Incredibles it, was like 98 or 99 or something And if like you that. talk about like all the Toy Stories, like the lowest one is like... I think the first Toy Story is still like 100, yeah. isn't it? I'll look them up quick. Um, they, they certainly do movies that have been reviewed higher than this movie. That is not to say that this is a bad movie. I actually really, really like this movie a lot. Um, but it is the way I explained it to a coworker earlier is that this movie feels more mainstream to me yeah. uh, than some of the other. I, I feel like why Pixar is so good at what they do is that they are thinking everyone, everyone does takes a box and they work inside that box however they they can and then pixar just thinks outside of it and they do things that are bizarre like inside out is not a movie that should have ever been made yeah and and i was i don't know it was pete doctor or someone else but like i heard this story recently where they were saying that i think it was on on sip pop um they were saying that the movie inside out was like pitched to like the like the the big yep. time producer director people at at Pixar or Disney and they it was rejected like they were like okay. that that's too crazy with that that movie literally cannot be made and then yeah. and then they sat on it for like six or seven years or whatever it was and then they came back around and were like and he's like here it like he's has storyboarded it he's like mm-hmm. look I I can do this and they're like okay give it a shot and they give him a shot and it's like. One of the greatest Pixar movies, in my opinion. So, so here's the Toy Story ratings. Yeah, yeah. Toy Story 1, 100%. That's what I thought. Toy Story 2, 100%. Oh, wow. Toy Story 3, 98%. Toy Story of Terror, 94%. <laughs> Toy Story That Time Forgot, 91%. Wow. And Toy Story 4, 97%. Yeah, also all the mainstream movies are 97 and higher. Yeah. Um, and then like even their shorts, like the 20 minute and eight minute movies and stuff like that are still in the nineties. Yeah. Um, Luca is, you're right. 89% right now. That seems about right to me. I, 
you know, if I was going to give it a score, I might go a little lower than that number. But like, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes is weird as how they do their numbering um, system. And like but, the audience scores an 88. So yeah, I, I feel like I would, I would be like on the lower side of eight. Um, but that's that, to me, that's still great. Like yeah. eight, eight out of 10 is a great score for me. Um, it's just, it is more, it's a more mainstream story that they're trying to tell here. It's yeah. not, it's not up. It's not inside out. It's not even Ratatouille. Like you think about Ratatouille is it's literally about a rat that controls a human. Like that's, yeah. that's bizarre. That's a super weird story. There's nothing really, really crazy going on here. Um, in fact, some of the comparisons to like even the little mermaid, I, I think are a little on the nose. Like it's, it's, it's not really even doing anything super terribly new for other Disney movies. Yeah. Like it, it goes way further than little mermaid ever, ever did, but it is similar. Like it's, it's about this water bound creature that goes to the earth world and tries to learn what it is to be human. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's the premise of it is actually very similar. to little mermaid. So it, as far as Pixar goes, it does feel a little safer of a movie. Is that to say that the movie's not great? Absolutely not. I, yeah. I, thoroughly enjoyed my time with it so yeah i just feel like um with pixar there's kind of two tiers and i feel like this more falls into tier two yeah oh absolutely and and tier two is like leaps and bounds above like almost everything else that's out there yeah like, as far as animated films that are outside of disney so um what 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 do you think about the story? Like so, I mean, I guess you can kind of summarize the story or kind of pick out like some of the favorite yeah. plot points and stuff like that. The characters. Um, one of the things, I mean, going forward, I didn't watch really a ton of the trailers at all, so I was kind of confused at first the whole sea monster thing, and because like all I had ever seen was Luca being in human form. Oh yeah, and so. I was kind of confused by that, um, but then it—I mean—it kind of gets off to a slower start. But I thought so too. I feel like it picks up pretty rapidly after, like maybe like the first fifteen minutes or so. Yeah, can I respond to pacing and then let, yeah. let you continue? The 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 first ten minutes of the movie are very slow. I I felt like I was like, okay, let's get to the point. Where's this? Where 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 is this movie gonna quote get good? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the the premise actually is evident. Then the the next like sixty minutes are just solid. Like I think just pacing was like perfect, perfect, yeah. perfect, perfect. And then the last ten minutes of the movie I thought was incredibly rushed. Mm-hmm. I mean, just. The fast, I mean, they were like, bam, 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 bam. Like, we got to tie up all these loose ends into nice, pretty bows, but we're going to do like six of them in eight minutes. Like, yeah. I was like, whoa, like you're going, you're going way too fast, like slow down a little bit. So I, I think the beginning of it and the ending of it were weird. Uh, but that, that middle hour, hour and five or whatever is like, it's incredible. Like, yeah. it's really good pacing. So, and I mean, what I like about this Luca movie, it's kind of like Raya as well. Um, it's kind of the type of storyline that Disney sort of has gone to, mm. but it's in a different time and different period. And I feel like that's kind of what makes Luca so special and Raya so special. Where. Yeah, there are a couple things that are similar to stuff Disney has done in the past and Pixar as well. But then there is something that makes this truly unique as well. Yeah. I'm interested to to hear what you think about 
like theme or because um, that, that's what I'm always looking for is like what's the message of this movie? Yep. What, what am I supposed to learn uh, and come away with? And it, you know, I think what's the most obvious is is coming of age. You know, it's about yep. this this kid basically you know making his own decisions, transitioning into adulthood. But I think there's also kind of a deeper message and, and theme meaning to the story that really is is I think there are events in this movie that are are meant to um, analog the various stages of adolescence. Yeah. So like there's parts of the movie where it's little kid, big kid, right? So like, you know, when you were eight years old and there was that 12 year old that was so cool. Yeah. That, that like, you know, like it, at one point in, in the movie he says, you know, your life is so much cooler than mine. Mm-hmm. And I remember being that eight year old and seeing the 12 year old boy and being like, man, he's so cool. I, I, I can't wait until I'm 12. I can't wait until I'm, you know, know what he knows. And maybe if I hang out with him, he can show me everything tell me everything he knows about life that he's learned. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, like watching the two of them, Alberto and, and Luca have that relationship at the beginning. And then they, they go through another, another stage where it's, um, like they're like having to make their own decisions and learning a lot. Like he's like reading a lot of books and learning about astronomy mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And I see that as kind of like the going off to college stage, yeah. like of, of, of transitioning into adulthood. And then there's a stage later on that's more of like the romance, like love life. There's never a full blown uh, love relationship in this, in this movie, but there's definitely a scene where he starts slowly disconnecting from Alberto and starts to connect more deeper and deeper with Julia. And at one point where that breaks is the scene where Alberto thinks he's doing the right thing and he jumps into the water in front of the bullies. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then Luca has to make a decision. Do I side with, with Julia and and be with her or do I side with my friends, my only friends, Alberto? And he chooses the girl over his friend, his, guy friends uh-huh. uh, and that to me remind me of a lot of experiences that I had when I was in my yeah. you know late teens and 20s for sure so um, so yeah it ultimately is about coming of age but I think it's about just the struggles of like finding your own way like mm-hmm. how do I how do I get out of kid mindset into adult mindset and what are all the pitfalls along the way I, I found it to be very deep yeah and um, you can even add um to the thing is you don't have to be blood to be family either. Because, yeah. I mean, you're, you kind of go through that movie and where Luca and his parents really are never on the same page until the end. But then you have Alberto who comes along and becomes almost like a brother to him. Yeah. And then you have Julia and her dad, and they basically just let these boys into their home, and they're basically family. Yeah, even to the point where I know we're jumping straight to the ending of the movie, but like even to the point where like the dad, he's named at one point, but I forget what his name is, but they call him Senior or something. But um, Julia's dad, like, is ultimately the one that defends them yeah. at the end of the movie, and he's the one that like wants nothing more. I mean, the the only other uh, character would be the the uh, the bull, the main bully character, but like he wants to skewer a, a sea monster bad. Like, that's, yeah. like he, he keeps keeps a harpoon with him at all times so he can get one. And then when the boys are revealed to be sea monsters at the end of the movie, instead of 
like harpooning them like on the spot. They're obviously not going to do that in the kids mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Like, but like it, it looks like he would go that way. He ends up standing up for them because they are his family mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah. So yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about like theme? And no, the I'd say that's a, that's about all I have. Um, I want to talk about the setting for the movie. Yeah. So this is Italy, presumably mm-hmm. in the 60s maybe 50s or 60s like yeah, something like that the 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 diving suit that they wear is like very like old school like 50s yeah. 1950s they're watching television on like super small like 10 inch black and white screens and stuff like that so it seems to me like it's you know kind yeah, of mid, mid 20th like century you're pretty spot on probably so um what an awesome setting for a movie. Like yeah. I, they've, uh, Pixar has taken us a lot of places. Like think about it. Like we've gone to Ireland, we've gone to, um, Europe before we've gone, uh, like up is France. like, yeah, up is like what South America. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, Pixar loves these like international kind of movies. Um, uh, yeah. France with, uh, Ratatouille and, um, and, and now, you know, Italy basically. Um, and, and not just like modern day Italy, but like, Italy from the past, like, is yeah. like, it's kind of a period film. Um, you know, a, presumably a, a fake place. Like I'm sure this is a made up town, yeah. but, but it's very Italian. And I was, one thing that I was shocked by, I did not see coming at all. Cause I, I don't think they did this even in Ratatouille, but there's a ton of Italian in this movie. Yeah, like for sure. I like maybe like four or 5% of the words are not even in English in this yeah. movie. Like, and there's no subtitles. Like, um, you can you kind of pick up on what they're saying, like mm-hmm. Bonjourno and you know stuff like that. But like, um, I it, it was gorgeous. Like I, yeah. I I was struck by like how authentic it made the movie feel. I felt like I was, even though they're speaking English for almost all the lines, mm-hmm. I I felt like I was truly in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> as I was watching the movie, because they're they they're doing it yes with the heavy accent, but also just inserting random Italian words and it's you know people talk about Spanglish. This is like, you know, I I. I ta- uh, Italianish or whatever, like yeah. it's it it's a uh, it made me feel like I was part of this culture. Yeah, it was, and like just the scenery. Yeah, of this. I mean, I mean, I've never been to Italy before, but I mean, you would think that it's uh, I authentic Italian scenery right there. Yeah, and I love the the ocean. Uh, like the ocean sideness of the town. Like yeah. it's, it's, there's so much water everywhere. And like, I, I never grew up like on the beach, but I, I grew up like 30 minutes from the beach mm-hmm. and there, there's a culture like, I mean, grew up in California. So it's very different than Italian beach culture. I'm sure. But like, you know, everyone has a surfboard, everyone has, um, you know, uh, multiple swimsuits and, you know, maybe even wetsuits and like, yeah. you know, like it's there, everyone like, lives in the water essentially Mm -hmm. you you come up to earth to eat food and you know but like on the weekends you're at the beach and you're swimming a lot and that's that's what this town feels like to me as well like everyone like you know it feels like half the town are into like um you know seafood business you know like uh julia's dad is like a fish butcher even like there's there's a very um uh you know beach town kind of um feel to it so yeah but an italian version of it which i i think is is really beautiful to look at mm-hmm. for so, sure um i love the characters in this movie man i the first like five minutes or so with alberto i was like i don't know if i like this kid because he comes up as very luca let me let me tell you what to do and kind of bossy kind of kind of uh i know better than you 
Mm-hmm. And you know, let me t- teach you everything I know about the worlds, and you you know nothing. I know everything, but he doesn't stay there for very long. And 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 really, like within five or ten minutes, I was really really enjoying his character. Like yeah. he's very different than Luca. And like I said, kind of teased earlier, I, that's the point. Like I think he is Lu- Luca is the goody two shoes, never done a bad thing in his life. Um, when he first finds Alberto, and they're in the the lighthouse together, he's like. He's like, I want you to jump off the ramp with me and do this dangerous thing. And Luca's like, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if you like identify with that, but I totally did because I was that kid. I was the Luca kid, and I knew a lot of Albertos growing up. And yeah. so I've had that conversation over and over again. But I thought it was just done so perfectly. Yeah. But Alberto's cool. Like, yeah, I I liked For him. Sure. Um. What What about uh, Julia? I, I I just I really liked her character as well. Yeah. Um, how would you describe her? Like she's, she's independent kind of, she's, yeah, she, she describes herself as like the underdog for sure. A lot in the movie. And like, she sees herself as picked on, but also going to kind of rebel and fight back a little bit. Yeah. She's kind of one of those people that, um, kind of sort of like to stir the pot and, but hers is always very good natured. Um, she's very loving in this movie. Yeah. And, um, I would say, yeah, she has her struggles, but, um, she's kind of rising above it all just to be a good human. Yeah. Yeah. She is definitely the most welcoming. And there was, there was one scene towards the end of the movie that really sealed it for me. It's, it's when, so she's she gasps when she sees Alberto turn into a sea monster right in front of her eyes. Yeah. And then she is immediately afraid. There's a lot of chaos going on mm-hmm. around her in that moment. I think that that contributes to it. Of course, um, Lucas sides with Julia and cries out, sea monster, and like points at Alberto and they run, right? Yeah. But then as soon as they get back to her house, um, she he's like freaking out and she throws water on him to like get him to like calm down and realizes he's a sea monster too. And she doesn't flip out like when she sees her friends, her brother almost um, turned into a sea monster right before her eyes. Um, At at that point, it's only been like five minutes since she just saw Alberto. Mm -hmm. And when Lucas turns into a sea monster too, she loves him so much that um, to, to her, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Like, um, it's definitely one of those moments where, um, I don't think she's really that surprised that he's a sea monster as well. Um, I definitely think that it was shocking to her, um, when Alberto turned into a sea monster, but like after seeing that happen, I feel like she's kind of just like, you know, this isn't that shocking. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I think she she forgives him in that moment just instantly. Like she that's that's just part of her character. Yeah. Um. So, um. I, I want to talk about Silencio Bruno because I I think that phrase is like one of the key phrases in the movie. Yeah. And I think it's for multiple reasons. One, because it's 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 I it's instantly iconic in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. if if someone says Silencio Bruno, you know exactly what movie it's from. Yeah. Um. But it's more than that. It's it speaks to maybe just a you know slightly different. Um, caveat of a theme that we kind of already talked about of there is no Bruno. Like that's yeah. that I, I watched the Silencio Bruno is in the trailer, which I think is part of why it's going to be iconic phrase. Just kind of like squirrel was in the trailer, 
but um, the, his name's not even Bruno. It's, it's Luca. But he says, you have a Bruno in your head. Yeah. And he's like, who's Bruno? He's like, I don't know. I made it up. It could be any name. But yeah. like Silencio Bruno basically ma- means don't listen to the voice in your head that's telling you to not risk risk yeah. something like your health or mm-hmm. your you know life and limb or whatever. <laughs> so like whenever he's like, you know, riding a bike at breakneck speed down a hill wherever he's just like silencio bruno silencio bruno just over and over and over again um because to him that's like the only way to like to get through the moment yeah so i I like that phrase a lot yeah for sure um and i mean it definitely applies to nowadays like we've talked about already um where there's so many times where you feel like there's a voice in your head telling you not to do something and yeah, yeah. it just—I mean—it's part of growing up, and we've talked about that as well too. Yeah, absolutely. I—I I, I love uh, so much of the movie is about Luca just fighting himself, mm-hmm. like just getting over his own reservations, um, which leads, uh, I think, good into uh, two characters. We, characters that are not in the movie that much, but they're main characters. Uh, Luca's mom and dad. Yeah. Um, and we see a lot of them at the, the first 10 minutes of the movie and then they're kind of gone for a half hour after that. They eventually come to the town and are looking for their son. Mm-hmm. And I, they're funny. Like, I, I don't know if you laughed like I did, but I, I feel like I laughed maybe more at them than, than a lot of other key scenes, like, uh, with the main characters. But, um, dude, when they're like, playing soccer when the mom's yeah. playing soccer with those kids and like trying to get them dunked in the fountain or they're literally just like taking buckets of water and just trying to throw them on like strange stranger kids. Yeah. Like I, I was just like, that is so funny. Like I don't even know what I would do yeah. if I was walking through the square and saw like an adult throw just a bucket of water on a kid. They didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. So good. It's very <laughs> comical type scene. And, um, Yeah. There, there's uh, there's some stuff in here about uh, bullies. Um, I forget what movie we watched recently where we were talking about bullying. Um, was brought up pretty good. And, uh, um, it wasn't Zootopia. It was more recent than that. I can't remember what, what we watched recently where there was some, some uh, words about bullies. But Oh, it was um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, this is obviously more adolescent bullying, but... Uh, the Ercole character is, uh, I think, very interesting. And it, all these guys are, like, written perfectly. And, like, they're real-life characters. Yeah. Um, but, like, Ercole is this kid that, like, finds his worth in his successes. Yep. And to the degree of, like, like, uh, like a, a, a non-bully character would just be happy with their trophies and just keep it internal and not boast about it. Mm-hmm. But, like, for him, it's, like, he wants to be the king of that oh, yeah, neighborhood. For sure. <laughs> like he, um, like at one point he, like he walks around and he's like, uh, raise your hand if you love me, you yeah. know? And <laughs> they all just feel forced to raise their hand. So like, and the only people that are willing to stand up to this guy are these, these three characters. And really you get the impression Julia has like passive aggressively done it in the past, yep. but now she's starting to get more aggressive because of these boys that she's become friends with. But, um, yeah, Ercole is like the cool kid because he has a Vespa yeah. and everyone wants a Vespa apparently and because he wins races and, you know, he's the 19-year-old that says he's 16 and, you know, bosses every other kid around. Yeah. So, so yeah, his character was interesting too. Uh, I thought the triathlon 
triathlon nature of it being uh, biking, swimming, and eating. Yeah, very very <laughs> Italian esque right there. <laughs> but like their big hurdle is they have to use a fork because they're usually just like shoving spaghetti yeah. into their their mouths and stuff like that. Um, there's not we talking about conflict and stuff like that. Obviously, the big conflict is against Eric Lay. And then there's some conflict about uh, Luke and his parents, but there's not a lot of interaction between those three characters. Yeah. Um, he's his ultimate goal is to get out from under their wing. Like he wants yeah. to. He doesn't want to be under. I mean, well, k- kind of like helicopter parent esque. Yeah. Type, which we've seen that in Pixar and Disney movies before, but uh, he just kind of. Like we've talked about already, he's growing up and he wants to do his own thing. Yeah. And and maybe even more so than that. I mean, equally as so is that he doesn't want to go down to the deep with Uncle Ugo. Yeah. Which is this really funny character. He's got like a it's hard to had hard to place his accent. It, to me it sounds German. Yeah. Um, but it, like someone probably write in and say it's Polish or something, but like he has this like really funny accent and uh, to American ears it's funny. And he like he's crazy because he like, he lives like where there's no light at all, yeah. like way down in the deep. He's one of those fish that has like the flashlight on his forehead. But, uh, yeah, he doesn't want to go down to the deep for like, you know, ever and ever. So, mm-hmm. um, and then in a weird juxtaposition, she, she's excited about going to boarding school. So like, like, uh, Luca is basically going to boarding school, so to speak, like in order to get him to calm down and not have these like rebellious tendencies, they're saying you're going to go live with your uh, uncle for the season, whatever, yeah. they, whatever that means. And then, and how he doesn't want to do that is like a, the worst thing in the world to him. And then, like by contrast, Julia is going to go to boarding school on that train and like go to school for months and then not come back until next summer. Yeah. And, but she's very excited about it because she gets to learn about astronomy and all these mm-hmm. things that, that she loves. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, the biggest conceit, I guess in, in the movie, as far as like, you know, the minute to minute action is try not to be found out. Right. Like it's, yeah. it's not until the very end of the movie that they find out who they really are. But, you know, there's all, all these like near misses of the, of them, like sitting at the dinner table and getting water on their hand or their face or whatever. And, you know, or they have to like the dew off of the tree yeah, comes on them. And I mean, it's one of those things where you've seen it in plenty of movies where they're so close to being found out, but they somehow avoid it until the end. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess we can jump to the, the final sequence. So the, the whole, the whole, um, drama really revolves around this triathlon, um, thing. What do they call it? The something cup or whatever is the name of the town. Yeah. Cup. But it's, it's basically just a race through town. It's yeah, all it really pretty is. Much. <laughs> so they have, to, they have to swim. It's a relatively short distance of swimming. It's for kids. So they sw- have to swim around this buoy or whatever, come back, mm-hmm. uh, eat a bunch of pasta, and then basically uh, race a bicycle up, up the hill and then come back down. That's the whole race. So, um, and Julia's been doing this by herself, but you don't have to do it. You can do it on a team. They, that's how they really recommend doing it. But she's never had a team to do it with. And for most of the movie, they're training. There's a lot of training montage where they're like, she's getting them ready to participate in the triathlon. But then because of the whole, you know, you're a sea monster thing, they kind of separate from each other. Mm -hmm. And then, um, 
Alberto says I'm not participating at all. Yeah. Uh, Julia says I'm going to do it by myself, and then Luca enrolls like super late. Yeah. Um, to do it by himself as well. Yeah. Exactly. And um, I don't know. I thought that whole sequence was really fun. Like yeah. it, it was. It was really entertaining to watch, and all the like saves and stuff like that that they did, and yeah. it was all really good. And then of course, there's a rainstorm. Yeah, in the middle of the triathlon. <laughs> And he has to swim. Like the very first thing is swimming, and yeah. um, so he puts on like this that super old diving suit, mm-hmm. and uh, of course it cracks. You know, as he's walking down there and all that. So, and he does a good job eating, and he, he then he totally like overtakes Ercole on the hill. Like yeah. he just completely just passes him uh, and by. Then the rain comes in. Yeah, and the rain's coming down. He's got like a like a colander or something like that on his head, like for a hat. Yeah. And that's kind of helping him out, but he's going to need more than that to get down the hill. And so, uh, Alberto comes out with an umbrella. This is his heroic moment. Like, yep. I'm going to hold this umbrella over your head. So nobody knows that you're who you are. But then Ercole like knocks the umbrella out of his hands. Everyone gasps. Oh, Oh, it's a sea monster. And then in that moment, Luca can decide to do what he did last time, which is to shout sea monster and just pass him by or to pick him up and, and yep. embrace him as, as his brother, uh, his friend. And so, of course, he does the second, and they go yeah. racing down together, and they win. And they win. Yeah. And then they get this very old Vespa. Yeah. Oh, that was so great, man. Because, like, Ercole is, like, driving this, like, shiny, brand-new, like, yeah. not a single scratch. It, there's a point where he, or he thinks it does get scratched because it falls down or whatever, and he's, like, beside himself. So it's like this perfect Vespa and like the whole time they just like, maybe we could get enough money for that piece of crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and then like, like you said earlier, the mom and dad kind of come around and say, you know, we're, we're with you. We just want you to be who you are. Uh, Julia's dad said, uh, they all looked to Julia's dad to kind of proclaim like, did they win or are they not eligible because they're not actually human? He says, you know, they are Luca and Alberto and they are the winners yeah. and everyone cheers. Um, and then, um, there's like mom and dad are found out to be uh, the whole town, like comes around to see monsters, like in an instant, which mm-hmm. I, th- I, that's where it starts to get really rushed for me where I was yeah. just like, what? Like, I, I mean, some, some of these people are like 50 years old. They spent 50 years of their life fearing these sea monsters. Like they're, yeah, for these, sure. are, these are like the most terrifying, like dragons in their world. And they like within five minutes, they're like, oh, okay, I guess they're not so bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where I almost feel like Pixar slash Disney thought that the movie had already been long enough. So they kind of get into the mode where they have to wrap everything up pretty rapidly. Because, I mean, with with credits, I think this movie came in at like an hour and 45 minutes. No, it's... it's so. Without oh with including yeah, the credits. With credits yeah you're right without the credits because I looked at it because I was like man that felt like a short movie like it, it was over before I thought it was going to be um, a lot of that was because they rushed the ending but uh, yeah I looked at the timestamp it was like it was like one thirty two or something okay, like that like yeah. without like the opening credits it, this is like a ninety minute movie like, yeah. it's 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 over it's it might be their shortest one like I, I remember Brave being kind of short but like I think running time this might be actually the shortest Pixar movie that they've okay. made. Um, that said, like, because it's so short, I, I just don't know why you wouldn't tack on an additional yeah. five, it doesn't have to be 10 minutes, even just an extra five minutes at the end to kind of st- make things make sense. They had a lot of loose ends to tie up mm-hmm. 
but they just tie them up so fast. I don't know if it's just because it's they're they know they're gunning for a younger audience who doesn't yeah. have that kind of t- you know attention span. I I don't know. It it felt really fast to me because they have to deal with mom and dad. They have to deal with the uh, dad uh, uh, Julia's dad mm-hmm. relationship with her. They have to deal with what's going to happen to Luca. Is he going to go back to the sea or is he going to stay human? Uh, they have to deal with Alberto. Like what's next for him? Like. They, have, they show grandma again. Like, they show all these things, you know. And it's like, um, they even show Uncle Ugo, like, at the, at a, like in a mid-credits scene. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot to talk about. And they just, they talk about it really fast for some reason. But I, I liked all the endings, though, like, that they did. Like, I mm-hmm. like that Luca's going to school. Yeah, very cool. Learning about what he, what he wants to learn about. That, you know, even his parents say, like, you know, we tr- we trust you. We, we think you know. We know you're going to be careful and safe. You mm-hmm. know, um, that kind of thing. And then, honestly, like it didn't make me cry, but I did. I definitely did be like, okay, that that line's going to make people cry. Um, I, I this the line where uh, Luke is like almost apologizing to Alberto. He's just like, I'm sorry for all this mess. I didn't mean for things to turn out this way. Yeah. And um, Alberto has this great line where he's like, Hey, Luca, you got me off the island. And because earlier we had learned that he was basically locked to this island because his dad like went out for cigarettes and never came back <laughs> type of thing. And basically said like, you're old enough to stand on your own. You don't need me anymore. And his, his dad literally just abandoned him. And he's been waiting at that lighthouse for him to come back for years. Maybe mm-hmm. like he has all these hash marks, right? <clears throat> Stop counting at some point. And so it's basically been, even though he talks a good game, it's basically been fear that's kind of been locking him to the to the island. Yeah, and he's never been wanting to leave that island. A because he thinks he'll be fi- found out as a sea sea monster, but maybe even more more so is just his lack of like he still feels like a kid. Like he doesn't he can't orchestrate the events of his own mm-hmm. life. So it's it's really even though it's a little backwards, it's really Luca that ends up being giving him the courage to yeah to break out for so. sure. I thought that was pretty cool. It's a great movie. I, 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 I just, the only gripes I really have are, um, that the rush ending, the kind of slow start. And then I do think it's a little silly how they can dry off in like a second and a half. That's yeah. a really nitpicky thing. But like, I mean, if you're soaking wet, I'm sorry, you can't just like wipe your face and then like your whole head is like bone dry. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe sea monsters can do that, but I I just thought that was funny. Like whenever they got wet, like within like half a second, they were like dry again. <laughs> so little little things like that. But I mean, the movie is really good. It's very well written. It's very Pixar. There's always a deep message. Uh, it's not as funny as some of their Pixar mm-hmm. the other Pixar movies. I mean, compare Toy Story four to this. Like, yeah. it's it's just not a. This movie's not super humorous. Um, but I think as far as like hitting you in the feels and learning about life and stuff like that. It does. It checks all the Pixar boxes. Yeah. I feel like Pixar is always good at, uh, teaching a lesson and yeah. Um, it doesn't have, like you talked about the comedic aspect of it uh, really, but I don't really think it needed to. I agree. Yeah. So I think that pretty much wraps up that one. Um, 
I, I guess real quick, the last thing I'll say is soundtrack is phenomenal. Yeah, it, it's so good. Of course. Um, the, just the, the the orchestrated parts are are great. Like when they take take to the air uh, that 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 first time, and yeah, run off the ramp or whatever. The triumphant music that's ha- I was just like, oh, this is like transcendent. Uh, and then like the, the Italian pop music that was in it from like kind of sixties yep. genre was really cool. Like I, again, that just kind of put me in in that culture. So yeah. Um. What else, real quick, what else have you been watching on Disney Plus? Anything? Nothing. We've been pretty busy, so haven't we haven't even watched last week's episode of High School Musical. Um, so, I mean, we haven't watched a ton of Disney Plus outside of Luca and Loki. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of time, um, so the things I watched were very short. I, I watched the, le- the latest episode of Bad Batch. Um, okay. Obviously, can watch all of that show. Um, that show continues to be really great. They they brought back a kind of the main antagonist of the of the show. I don't want to spoil it um, in this last episode, and it was really really good. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I still highly recommend that that show if you if you've been kind of sleeping on that. Um, the other thing that I kind of teased at the beginning was um, I watched a Pixar short called La Luna. Okay. Um, which in in I guess Italian is means the moon. It's it's. It is a very good companion piece to what you just watched with Luca, okay? Because um, it's literally about a coming of age story of this like kind of Italian kind of boy, um, mm-hmm. and sitting in the shadow of his father and grandfather. Um, it's six minutes. Um, I think only a minute of that is credit, so it's it's like a five minute short. Okay. Um, it's good. It's it's one of those silent ones, kind of like the. Um, I keep wanting to call it This Is Us. What, what was that one, the jazzy one? Us Again. Us Again. It, it's similar to that where there's no there's no words yeah. spoken. Uh, the characters kind of speak like Simlish, kind of like, it's like a fake language. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I don't want to spoil it, but it, it is basically um, it's, it take your kid to work day, <laughs> kind okay. of like, but, but really old school. Like he looks like... Um, you know, something out of the 16th century or whatever o- overalls that kind of, but I don't want to spoil too much of it. Cause it literally is five minutes long, but okay. like, um, it's basically about him going to work with his father and grandfather and w- wanting to do the work differently than them, but not sure if he can. And it really is about him finding his own way and then okay. them, them supporting him in that and saying, no, you do you, you know, you're your own person, even though you're a kid, we're giving you a leash to a long leash to do things your way. And maybe your way is even better than our way, even though we're older than you. Very cool. Um, so definitely ch- check that out. It's called La Luna. Um, like I said, it's on Disney plus and it's five minutes long. Um, it's great for kids and adults, I think, uh, cause they'll get, they'll all get something different out of it. Okay. Um, let's take a look at what's coming out on Disney plus this next week. Um, uh, obviously Loki next Wednesday. Uh, and then really we're looking at July is it, at the time of this recording, um, no, sorry, it's this Friday. It's two days from now. Sorry, yeah, this Friday. Yeah, I got I, I got off there for a second. I, I was already, you know what it is, um, Grant. I'm already in vacation mode. Like yeah. I'm already thinking like this is the week that's leading up to um, going down to Florida. So, <laughs> okay, so this is for the last, the final Friday in uh, June, and then we'll get to the the July stuff. Okay. So this is uh, June the. 20 25th yep yeah because it today's the 23rd okay um wolfgang is this a movie 
I've heard of this. About Mozart? Uh, I'm going to look it up. I think it's a film. Oh, is this a new film? Oh, it's a documentary. Okay. Uh, the True Story of Wolfgang Puck, a, oh. a man who survived a troubled childhood filled with a series of challenging obstacles and whose perseverance led him to become a prolific and celebrated chef. So not Mozart. No, not at all. <laughs> this is a, this is a 2021 documentary. Okay. Um, so it's saying, yeah, it's saying June 12th it was released. Uh, gosh, it must have come out on some other service and then Disney Plus is picking it up. For what it, for what it's worth, I know, I know a lot of documentaries have great scores. This one has a, a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it's an 8 out of 10 on IMDb. So this, this documentary is very well left. It is still new, so maybe a lot of people are just jumping on it, but um, yeah, it's about this guy that's aspiring to be this like really fantastic chef. So uh, it's called Wolfgang. Um, the mysterious Benedict society episode one. Is this, this is a new show. Yeah. They've been teasing this for a while. Okay. I guess have we, we probably have talked about it and I just forgot. Yeah. I'm going to read this cause I'm, I, I don't know. I might be interested in it and some of our listeners maybe. It says, placed undercover at a boarding school known as the Institute, a group of orphans must foil a nefarious plot with global ramifications while creating a new sort of family along the way. Based on the bestseller by Trenton Lee Stewart, which Time Magazine called, quote, one of the best young adult books of all time, the Mysterious Benedict Society stars Emmy Award winner Tony Hale in the titular role and features a standout ensemble of young actors. So, um... Yeah, it's about this boarding school of, of orphans, basically. Um, and there's something, you know, sinister going on uh, going on under the surface and about how they kind of overcome that. Okay. So, kind of interesting. I, I might check that out. Yeah. Um, High School Musical, obviously, episode seven. It's almost, entitled, It's Almost Over. <laughs> entitled, Four More Episodes. Which actually, <laughs> I don't know if this is true, but... I saw something on what's coming to Disney Plus in July, and it went all the way to episode 12. Oh, no. So we might be on a long train wreck. I guess we just assumed it was going to be another 10 episode season. Wow. We might. How about that? Yeah. So we might be in for. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to to say mea culpa on anything that we've said so far, but that does kind of explain it doesn't perfectly explain but it does explain why there is so little to do in those first four or five episodes yeah like a longer season makes sense because i previously i was under the impression that we're five we're halfway through the season Mm -hmm. episode five and there's nothing going on um not that 12 is a whole lot longer than 10 but yeah um okay that's that is interesting to note (laughs) Uh, speaking of longer seasons, um, Star Wars The Bad Batch Episode Nine is coming out. Uh, with its last week's episode, Episode Eight, we, we were halfway through. I think it's a 16-episode okay. uh, season. So Episode Nine starts the second half. Uh, another Gordon Ramsay Uncharted. Uh, this one uh, is in Cro- Croatia. Uh, is coming out this Friday. Uh, Disney's Bunked. Yeah, that's a is old the- Disney Channel show. Is this during your time or after your time? After my time. Okay. This was like early, maybe like 2012, maybe okay. later than that. Okay. So yeah, this is season four. I'm assuming that means seasons one through three were already there and they just added this one uh, about uh, Camp Kikiwaka in rural Maine. So 
if that interests you, go for it. Uh, PJ Masks season four. Jordan will be very happy about that. She is a huge uh, Owlette fan. She loves Owlette. Um, Running Wilds with Bear Grylls season six. Um, uh, this is interesting. Survivalist Bear Grylls takes prominent stars on 48-hour journeys where they are faced with inhospitable conditions. Yeah, that was a... That show was on uh, NBC. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of that. I don't know if this is like new stuff, but in the past, that show's been on NBC. Have you seen any like ce- celebrities that were I mean, on it? Zac Efron's been on it oh, before. I would watch that. Uh, I think Nick Jonas maybe had one. Okay. I mean, there's pre- pretty uh, top-notch celebrities that go on it with Dude, him. Zach Efron in the middle of like a hurricane or something like that. I would love to see how he yeah. <laughs> like respond to that. Uh, when Sharks Attack, season one through six. If you like Shark Week, uh, definitely check that out. There that looks, we go. That looks like a National Geographic. Um, and then uh, the last thing. Oh, man, this takes me back. Adventures in Babysitting, which came out in 1987 okay yeah that takes me back uh i don't know i don't know that i ever saw that movie um i know i had like friends that did and like it's probably almost certainly like more for girls um but um it obviously movie came out long long time ago um it stars elizabeth shoe um who you might know from like uh, Back to the Future, most famously, and uh, Karate Kid and stuff like that. So, okay, um, yeah. If you uh, if you're interested in like seeing like a very, I'm sure that movie is very 80s. <laughs> like the the feel of it. I, this movie probably just screams 80s from front to back. So maybe check that one out. Um, it's coming out this Friday. Adventures and Babysitting. That is an old movie uh, for me, at least. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, cool. Um, well, next week um, is going to be a much shorter episode. This ended up being about a two-hour episode. Grant. So it's been a long one. Yeah. It's been a Herculean task to get through all this stuff. Um, I like doing these, these longer episodes, but I also like following it up with a short one. Uh, next week, uh, Grant and I are literally going to be on the beach. Yeah. Um, so uh, excited. Staying at a beach house with some friends. So, um, I think we are going to try to record there, like at the, yeah. beach, at the beach house. I'm going to bring my uh, recording equipment with us down to Florida. And, um, because of that, and because like we're mostly just going to be like in the water the whole mm-hmm. week, I'm going li- to be living in a swimsuit every day uh, next week. Um, we are probably just going to record a review of just Loki. Um, yeah. So probably record on, on maybe on Wednesday. I'd, I'd like, I'd like to watch it the day it comes out and uh, record a short ep- episode for you guys. And then, and that's, and that's it. It'll probably be like a 45 minute deal. Um, two weeks from now. And again, Jack should be on for that. Maybe Miller as well. Um, two weeks from now, we're going to have our, uh, me and Grant's friend, Shane, who's mm-hmm. talked a lot about coming on just kind of in, in passing. Um, I've thought about having him on for a long time. So um, that's been long overdue. We need to, to get him on. I want to get him on to talk about Big Shot. Um, that probably won't be something we, you and I can chime in on, but like just kind of quiz him about it and like what, yeah. you know, what's one what of the, some of the merits of that show. And then of course, Loki and, and whatever else is going on. Uh, and then, in three weeks, I'm working on another guest. I'm not ready to announce it yet, but uh, we should have some some guests coming back in the next few weeks. So um, that'll be fun. Anything you want to add, Grant, before we no. um, kill this puppy? No. I'm good. Ready to go on vacation. I am too. Let's, let's go down to the beach and have some fun. Yeah. 
Um, take us uh, with you wherever you're going uh, this, this week. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, the way that you write into the show, uh, just like um, uh, Shane and ah, Amanda, Amanda Moon did at the beginning of the show. Uh, the right way you do that is you write into Disney plus reviews at hotmail.com. That's P L U S all spelled out Disney plus reviews at hotmail.com. Uh, let us know something you've been watching on Disney plus or something you want us to cover. Uh, we'd love to, to read your thoughts on the show as well. Uh, we will talk to you some more on next week's episode when we are only reviewing Loki episode four. Talk to them.